Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. How about that music by Shane Yoder? One of the best parts of previous season updates like this is the throwback theme music. And if you recognize that classic Swampy Blues track, then you know that this week we're taking a break from our Season 10 case in order to give you all an update on Season 5, The Forgotten West Memphis 3. Since Season 5 and my Oxygen docuseries concluded, a lot has changed. The district attorney that had been giving us the runaround for over a year finally moved on to a judgeship. In a new DA, Keith Cressman stepped in to fill the position. And just like his predecessor, Cressman also seems determined to continue to hide the truth and to continue to delay justice for the Forgotten Three. Stevie Branch, Michael Moore, and Christopher Byers. I'm joined today by a few guests who are here to fill you in on the situation. This is Season 5, Episode 44. Now you see it... Now you don't. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications. And that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Ford Ranger, a vehicle for all terrains and every passion. It's a workmate, a playmate, and to its drivers, a soulmate. So how do you improve the Ford Ranger? You go all in. The all-new Ford Ranger, the UK's best-selling pickup. Now available with rear bumper steps, tailgate workbench, and enlarged load box that can fit a Euro pallet. Go break it in. Search all-new Ford Ranger. Ford Pro. Driving productivity. According to SMMT data, features may be optional extras with additional cost. On March 29th of last year, the final episode of the Forgotten West Memphis 3 series aired on Oxygen. These were my parting words to the audience. Track down Damien and Jason and Jesse... They are all ready, willing, and able to test the DNA in this case. They're not afraid of what they're going to find in the DNA testing. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. But the district attorney just wants this to go away. It would be a dereliction of my duties not to review uh, credible evidence that's been presented, and so we have to do that. It pisses me off. 
If you truly believe that your job is to find the truth, is to be the protector of all of the citizens, let us test the evidence. The truth is going to be there, and you're the only one stopping us from finding it. And you can't put your head in the sand and just hope it goes away. It's not going away. And I'm not going away. And this will never be over for me. It'll never be over for Pam Hicks. It'll never be over for Ryan Clark, Todd and Dana Moore, Mark Byers, Terry Hobbs. It'll never be over for any of those people. And that's where I need the audience of this show to not let the case die. Write letters to the district attorney, call his office, send him emails, whatever it takes. Don't let Stevie, Michael, and Christopher be forgotten about. Everyone that's watching this right now should be furious that the district attorney is hiding from the truth. He's keeping the truth away from Pam Hicks, from everyone. But I dare him to look into Pam's eyes and tell her she doesn't deserve to know who killed her son. The response to those words was overwhelming. Tens of thousands of viewers rose to action. So much pressure was put on Ellington that he was forced to shut down some of his official social media channels. The phone lines to his office were overwhelmed. Thousands of emails, letters, and messages flooded his office for weeks until he finally cracked and agreed to test the evidence. Things seemed to be going smoothly, then nothing. We were ghosted. In that closing, I dared Scott Ellington to look Pam Hicks in the eye and explain himself. But instead, he once again hid from the truth and buried his head in the sand, just like he always does. I've been working with Damian Eccles and his legal team for going on a year now to try to get the evidence tested. It seems as though Keith Cressman, the new DA, has been hoping that we would just shut up and go away. But we refuse to give up the fight. And now, the DA has deployed a new tactic. A magic trick. Watch closely as I make the evidence disappear. Joining me today via phone is Damien's wife, Lori, and longtime case advocate, Lonnie Sowry. Please forgive the audio issues. Lonnie's phone connection wasn't the best, but what he has to say is worth the listen. Here's Lonnie and Lori. Hi, I'm Lonnie Sowry. Uh, I work with uh, Lori Davis and Arkansas Take Action in an effort uh, to free Damien Eccles in West Memphis 3. Uh, I was part of the... Uh, team of, uh, of people working day to day to accomplish that goal. And uh, during the last year, approximately a year and a half ago, after uh, the episodes that uh, Bob Ruff produced and directed were aired, uh, based on uh, the effort to retest DNA using the MVAC DNA system, which Bob had uh, recommended and and we on the, the team uh, working with Laurie Davis and Damian Eccles 
thought was a, an incredible idea. We contacted District Attorney or Prosecuting Attorney Scott Ellington in Jonesboro, Crittenden County, and requested uh, the DNA that was stored there uh, for testing. He agreed to support our efforts to obtain that DNA and then contacted uh, the uh, Arkansas Crime Lab, uh, requesting they uh, forward the DNA to uh, when they, that they requested that they forward the forensic evidence so that could be DNA tested. Uh, then we were informed that it was the West Memphis Police Department that, uh, had retained the evidence. And, uh, the prosecutor had contacted them, uh, with support and the collaboration of Steve Braga and Patrick Benka, our lawyers, and they agreed to turn over the evidence. And we were very excited about that development. Because it, it meant that we could now use the new MVAC system. And we were awaiting. We had sent the police department in West Memphis uh, the address of the, of the lab that Bob Ruff had recommended. And we were quite excited about getting getting down to work to test the forensic evidence for DNA. And, and we had our fingers crossed that possibly uh, we could truly solve uh, the killings of the three uh, young boys uh, in 1993 and, and subsequently exonerate, fully exonerate Damien Eccles, uh, Jason Baldwin and Jesse Miss Kelly. That's where it ended. And in May of 2020, I guess last, uh, over a year and a half ago, all communication stopped. It was the most bizarre experience. All of a sudden, Oscar Ellington, uh, the police department in West Memphis that had been so agreeable, Stop communicating with us. Stop returning our calls. Stop returning our inquiries. Now, we have evidence of, of this proof that they had agreed to all this. We had back and forth emails. And then, uh, obviously, we, we, we thought maybe as a result of the COVID uh, epidemic that, and, and we were patient and gave them time to respond. And then finally, we said something is wrong here. And we started communicating again. And then all of a sudden, uh, appearing in, in a newspaper article is a new prosecutor, uh, in Crittenden County saying to a reporter who had worked on this case many years ago that the evidence had been destroyed, lost, or destroyed in a fire. It was shocking. And it made no sense. The only thing that made sense is now we figured out that's why they stopped talking to us. So essentially for a year, they hid the fact, we believe, we, we we can't prove, but we aim to prove, that for a year they hid the fact that this evidence in the West Memphis 3 case was either destroyed, lost, or lost, or, you know, and whether that was by mistake or intention, we're not sure. Most recently, uh, we decided that it was important to file a Freedom of Information Act request, and get to the bottom of what happened to the evidence. It was a ter terrible blow. The idea that forensic evidence that could have exonerated Damien Eccles uh, and Jason and, and Jesse was lost or damaged or destroyed uh, was terrible news. Terrible news. But our Freedom of Information Act with uh, filed by Patrick Benka and Steve Brogger in Arkansas is awaiting a response. We want to know everything that transpired. What were the conversations where was the evidence? When was it destroyed? How? And, and the other big question is, what evidence is left and where is it?
Now, what's very interesting is even the mayor of West Memphis, Arkansas, claims that the evidence had been destroyed 15, uh, 15, 15 years ago. And as Damien Eccles points out, as we all know, Damien and Jason and Jesse were in prison 15 years ago. So that's absurd. And in fact, subsequent to that, we had retested that evidence using the more traditional DNA method. So we are awaiting now the results of the FOIA request. And uh, if we have to go back to court and file motions to get this, whatever evidence exists, we will. Um, but we intend to get to the bottom of this. And this is a, is a, is a tragedy. How confident are you in the fact that the evidence has actually been destroyed? So I, I've been, obviously, I've, I've been in discussions with you and Lori, who's also on the phone, and Damien and, um, and even Jason Baldwin, and tracking the story through the newspaper. It seems to me that the prosecuting attorney's office is being very vague in everything they're say, saying. You know, they're saying things like, Oftentimes in cases like this, the evidence is lost and it's destroyed and it may have been. And, and, and then now I'm seeing articles and rumors that it was destroyed in a fire. But it sounds like nobody's giving you any specifics. Do you do you think that the evidence has actually been destroyed or lost or you think they're playing hide the ball? Laurie, I mean, I'll say I have no idea. And, and I hope the evidence hasn't been destroyed. If it hasn't been, then. You know, we have a, we have a responsibility and they have a responsibility to turn it over. You know, uh, it concerns me deeply that they shut down this communication. You know, was it convenient that it gets destroyed or it gets misplaced after our request? Nobody heard for the last 10 years since Damien, uh, uh, has been free or certainly out of prison. Uh, we've heard nothing like that. So it, it's, it's all suspect. I think it's more suspect than not. The idea that it was a fire, I think Lori can talk about that. We had somebody look into it. Lori? Um, yeah, we haven't heard anything. Um, our investigator looked into it. There has been no reports of any fire dis- destroying evidence in West Memphis. And I think it's very interesting to pay attention to the communication we are getting, which I'm going to say in the whole time I've been dealing with this case, the key word is cavalier, and that's always been their attitude toward, toward this case. So you look at someone who said, I can't remember, it may have been the, process, the former prosecutor or the, the, one of them said that evidence often gets, what, what, I think what they said yeah, was right. evidence in capital cases is usually kept very safe in a contained place but in cases like this, it could be lost, what, cases like when you railroad three teenagers who murdered three, who they say murdered three kids, who were the teenagers. In cases like that, the evidence gets destroyed when you've got actual innocence. <laughs> so that was an interesting way they put things. And just the cavalier tone of the mayor who just flippantly says, Oh, that was destroyed 15 years ago. So you've got to look at the way they're communicating, which is absolutely in, in the most dis- disrespectful way, which they've handled this case from the very beginning. Well, in that mayor, because I believe when I was filming the, the TV show, I met the mayor 
of the town when we were out filming. And and my understanding was he was not the mayor 15 years ago. <laughs> no. Right. He's a new mayor. Has he been the one, has anyone communicated directly with you, this team, that the evidence was lost? Or are you having to read about this in the newspaper? So Patrick Binka contacted um, Cressman, and it was probably March or April of this year. And initially, his response was, "I'm. I mean, believe me, I, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna paraphrase here. I'm a warrior of justice. I'll make sure you all find this evidence. That's, that's the tone he took with Patrick. Mm-hmm. I am a. I am a warrior of justice, and I'm going to make sure this evidence gets to you. We'll go to the police department together, right, and look at it. So." When Patrick was like, great, he called us all and said, I've talked to the guy. He was making hamburger helper at home. He's just a regular guy who's really a warrior of justice. The next time Patrick called him, he didn't get an answer. He stopped communicating completely. And that's when he sent the note that the evidence had been destroyed. So he sent a note, an actual note to Patrick. Yes. To the attorney and said, the evidence meaning what all the evidence, some of the evidence, did he specify? He didn't. Which is really bizarre for our purposes. And and I think that just about coincided with him talking to the press about that. Yeah, it did. Uh, and uh, which, which is really bizarre that, that he acted as if uh, he was not going to stand in our way and was going to be helpful. And, you know, of course, we, being as uh, always you know, trying to give people the benefit of the doubt, even when they don't deserve it. We're, we're excited and let's, you know, hopefully we can move on this. And then, then he even went as far as saying uh, at this point, uh, well, let him give me emotion. So then all of a sudden he's going to make it hard. That's why I, I would, there's some dirty business going on. That's mm-hmm. the only thing I could say is people are lying. People are hiding evidence. And maybe they destroyed it. That's the only reason. Why would they stonewall us for a year? Why would this new prosecutor act nice and then not? Maybe at the time he said something to Patrick, he actually had no, you know, did not have the up-to-date information. And now he's stonewalling us. So we, we, we are moving under the assumption that dirty business is going. Well, nothing makes sense here. You know, for, you know, he says the evidence is destroyed. Followed with, if you want to test the evidence, you're going to have to file a motion. Well, what evidence? All you give us the documents <laughs> that show right. us how and when it was destroyed, and then that leg of the case at least can be put to bed. And then we can work on what we do about that that they that they lost or destroyed the evidence. But you know, personally, I just the, the more and more I'm just reading between the lines of everything this guy writes, and I'm thinking I don't I don't think it's gone. I think he's been. It reads to me like like politicians speak, how you can answer a question without answering a question, where you can give the impression that you've answered something, but you, you're real careful not to actually say this evidence absolutely was destroyed in a fire. It's yeah, It happens. There was a fire. Evidence was destroyed. But did this evidence get destroyed? And, and if I could back up a little bit just to, to make very clear for the listeners, because, you know, a lot of this, you know, we were all keeping very quiet for the last year what was going on. But, you know, after the, the process that went on after the TV show aired was the, the audience of the TV show and the podcast put a ton of pressure on Ellington. 
We reached out. I talked to Lori and Damien. They had, I believe it was Steve at that point, wasn't it Braga that then reached directly out to Ellington? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We, I, yeah, I called Ellington as well, and then and spoke with him and Braga, and you know everything was hunky dory until it wasn't. I remember getting the email because I was kind of the go between between the lab, and I I remember them saying that they're packaging the evidence. And they actually got the the FedEx shipping number from the lab. They, right. They said, I mean, it was that's how close we were to having it sent away, and then it was just poof. They just stopped talking to us. Right. Another interesting thing: you have three days after you filed a FOIA. We haven't heard anything back, and it's been he filed it on Wednesday of last week. Not a word. Not a word. So they're already breaking the law. <laughs> they don't care what just exactly what they don't they they think they're above the law they really do they've always acted that way in this yeah. case uh, i mean the good the only good news is that arkansas does have a very strong FOIA law uh which is important and and works in our favor i do know i spoke with Merrill leverett um, who's an author and also worked very hard uh, on this case and she's doing some, she's done a FOIA request as well on uh, any fires in the last 10 years. <laughs> so, right. Uh, and um, th- we also, and, and this may be jumping ahead, but but we will go back into court. Rog is already, and Patrick Bank are already looking at our legal options. Uh, if we go into court, I mean, it's possible that, it, that the judge in the case, uh, and we would go to Judge Laser, who was, you know, certainly seemed to be a fair judge when, when he freed Damien. Um, and they could possibly hold a hearing. I mean, we could possibly have these guys under oath and let them tell us under oath or lie under oath about what happened to the Senate. Well, the, and the, the, pardon my friends, but this shouldn't be that fucking complicated. That's what, that's what's amazing to me about this. Either they have it or they don't have it. And either way should be very, e- and, and I don't buy this fire. Like you said, you, you've no record of a fire. We're filing FOIA requests. I mean, we're talking the last 10 years. That's a pretty easy Google that there was a fire at the West Memphis Police Department records division mm-hmm. or wherever it was. Like, right. you, you know, the, the fact that we're, that you have to go, we're having to go that far to find out if the evidence was there or how they, or how, and if they destroyed it. It's maddening. I know my listeners are just like, I'm, I'm getting bombarded with messages and emails like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And, and, and I don't know the answer to that right now. I mean, I want to go just sit in front of his office with a, with a 10,000 people until, until they turn it up. But what can people do right now to keep the ball moving? Well, it's, it's really important to contact the prosecutor's office and the police department and demand they turn over evidence. I mean, to me, it looks like, what's the reason? Like you said, it sounds bizarre. What happened here? What are they covering up? Why would they cover up? It doesn't seem like it's an, it's simple, you know, evidence was destroyed. Are they covering up somebody? Are they covering up uh, malfeasance? But they are, it seems to me they are, we're in the middle of a cover-up. So I think it's really important that your audience, if they can, contact the prosecutor, Cressman, contact the West Memphis Police Department, and contact the governor, Asa Hutchinson, in Arkansas, uh, and the Attorney General's office. 
They respond to publicity. They respond to the public complaints. They respond to newspapers. We finally, after 30 years, got a a decent article in in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette newspaper. And they read those papers. So it, it is very important to contact them. Let them know that people are watching. It's been our effort, um, certainly in our effort to, to free the West Memphis Three is to shine the light and shine the light on the court, shine the light on the Supreme Court, uh, in Arkansas. And we believe that helped tremendously to at least get them out of prison, if not exonerate. Lori, can you speak a little bit to the state's obligation, or either one of you, I guess, but I know, Lori, you're pretty well-versed in this, the uh, the state's obligation to preserve this evidence, because you know th- there's been a lot of talk over the years that as part of the Alfred plea, Jesse, Jason, and Damien aren't allowed to sue the state. It, it, that was sort of their kind of obligation. But then in that same those same documents, didn't the state sign off to obligations to preserve this evidence? They did. In fact, one of the conditions was that the state agreed to test any additional to test evidence or to investigate any new leads that we got. And every time we've contacted them, they haven't done anything. They haven't held up their end of the bargain. So I'm not a lawyer, but I would say there's a breach of contract here or a breach of the of the agreement. Yes. Yeah, in a, in a very, I'm obviously not not a lawyer either, but you know, I've dealt with a lot of contracts, and it would seem that if uh, if if they did violate their their end of the deal, then maybe that opens up a door where there where there could be some compensation when this is all over. And and I and I don't know what, and, and I don't know if either of you can speak to where things could go from here legally if the evidence is destroyed. I, I'm from, from another case that I worked on years ago. I, I remember studying something called the Young Blood. It was, I think it was out of Arizona, but it was a Supreme Court case where the man was, if I remember correctly, the man was fully exonerated in a case just like this where the state illegally destroyed evidence. And because they had done that, then they had, they had set a legal precedent that that means that he gets to be exonerated or that the evidence, something to the extent of, and I should have researched this more before we, I, we got this far into the conversation. <laughs> But it, but something it, 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 it's a precedent. I just remember reading about it because it, was, it it essentially said if the state was required legally to maintain evidence and the defendant wants to test the evidence, say for DNA, and the state has destroyed it, then the court is to consider that evidence as though it was exculpatory. That's amazing. Yeah, that's right, and that that has been something that that, that case there is precedent to that. That's why we we intend to, and and our attorneys are researching that, uh, what relief is available right now. And if we have to, we are going to, you know, we will file motions to that effect for both damages uh, and other recourse. And yes, the possibility exists that the judge could make a decision like that. I'm not sure. Uh, we have to look at Arkansas law, but we are not going to stop from pursuing this and we will go back into court rather quickly uh as uh, our attorney Brogger and Benka uh complete their research into our uh what relief we can maintain. And I'd I'd just like to add, I mean, this country is already reeling from so many things 
And the criminal justice system is the next thing on the chopping block, I believe. So when are these people going to be held accountable for the, and these are crimes they're committing, but they're never held accountable until just recently in Minnesota. So I would love to see finally laws put into place where corrupt police officers or prosecutors, who's ever doing this, are held accountable for what they do. These are people's lives at stake and murders that have been committed and, you know, they have no absolutely seem to take no interest in finding out who actually committed these murders. So that's what I would love to see, too, is set a precedent in this case where you go one step further and the people who do it are held accountable. And and that and that's what it takes. Sadly, is such massive public exposure to make a change in this case, because as you just touched on, you know there there's there's a multitude of tragedies here. One being that you know that evidence very likely holds the keys to fully exonerating uh, Damian, Jason, and Jesse. But then the other side of that, I keep going back to and thinking of my time in 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 production and interviewing Pam Hicks. And watching her tears as she just wants this to be over, that she wants to find out once and for all who actually killed her son. And so there's the other side of this is even if we find some legal precedent to exonerate the three, at what point are we going to hold these people accountable for their obligation to find the goddamn murderers or murderer that killed these three little boys? How do they not have any, I don't know how they sleep at night knowing that the answer could be right there and they're doing whatever they can, whether it means they destroyed the evidence, they, they, they are hiding the evidence or they're lying about not having it, how they can sleep at night knowing that that evidence is what could hold the key to finally solving this case and putting the true killer of Stevie, Michael and Christopher behind bars. Right. Isn't it amazing? As, as Damien said once when asked, how did he get wrongfully convicted? Is he had one word answer, ambition. And, and, and I've mentioned that answer to many guys I've worked with and it, it, it resonates because we all know the ambition of prosecutors and, and judges is, is overwhelming that they would let people, well, we know we, they would let people die in the electric chair rather than test evidence. And, uh, it's, it's a sad, sad uh, state of the human condition, uh, of those that we hold responsible for administering justice in this country. And unfortunately, I think that's what we've, well, we know we've faced that in Arkansas in this case and, and across the country because uh, there is no difference, a prosecutor in New York or a prosecutor in Arkansas. It's a sad state of affair. There's just, the only difference is their accent. Right. You know, the it's it's kind of, it's such a stupid time to work in for anybody that is working in the criminal justice field right now looking at this because you know, what what do you have you have you have the state who's still trying to maintain oh well those were the guys that did it we got the guys so let's just stop worrying about this trying to say that you know the the you know particularly say Damien is the murderer but in reality you have the person that you're saying murder them Screaming from the rooftop, trying everything, doing everything in his power. And the same goes with, with, with Jason and Jesse. Just please test the evidence. I will show you. Test it and you will find out that I didn't do this. Begging them to test it. And the people who are responsible for finding the truth 
doing everything in their power not to do that. I mean, how backwards is that? <laughs> By the way, I just want to say one thing. We um, we will place the addresses and, and contact information for those people on our website, which still exists, which is westmemphis3.org. And I'll, uh, tomorrow, uh, I will place the information. Uh, also, we have on that website, we do have the FOIA document, which is about five pages long, as well as a press statement. So um, your audience can go to that website and get that information on who to contact. Okay, great. And I will I will link all of that uh, on my social as well and make sure that, that we continue to push and not, you know, I, I feel like they have this this idea that if they just drag their feet long enough that this will go away. And, and, and I know that my audience is determined not to let that happen, to, to keep the pressure on. And, and, and just to reiterate one more time as, as, we, uh, as we wrap this up, my audience has, has committed to me that if we find the evidence and we are able to send it to get tested, that the Truth and Justice audience will fund that testing. That's Terrific. amazing. That's great. Wow. Bob, I just want to thank you. You have been, speaking of warriors of justice, <laughs> you, actually, you actually are one. And I just wanted to thank you for everything you've done to help all of us who continue to fight this battle. And thank all of your listeners and everyone who has watched the shows and the films and have stuck with us through all these years. Just so grateful to all of you. Yeah, we wouldn't be here without Bob. Rob nope. and his, his, his uh, show, so I want to second that from all of us. I want to go on record here and say that I personally do not believe that the evidence has been lost or destroyed. Since recording this interview with Lonnie and Lori, I've gone back and looked at the quotes from Cressman and the mayor of West Memphis. They all read to me like they're bluffing. They continue to word their responses in a way that they can later claim that they never said that the evidence is gone. They've only said that it could be lost or that it may have been destroyed or that it's believed to have been destroyed in a fire. The fact that neither the DA's office or the police department will respond to media requests or give any detailed information on when and where the evidence was destroyed, in my opinion, is an indicator that they know exactly where it is and that they didn't expect the continued pressure. I believe that they thought they could give the impression that the evidence was gone and that that would be the end of it. Unfortunately for them, they have grossly underestimated the resolve of those of us who are determined to find the truth. We've been texting back and forth with Jason Baldwin throughout the week, but unfortunately we weren't able to connect to record him in time for this episode. He does, however, pass on his appreciation for all of your support, and he asks that we not give up the fight. I was able to connect with Damien, and he had the following message for all of you who continue to support his fight for the truth. How are you feeling about all these these updates we're hearing from the district attorney's office? It, it's a 
strange time, uh, just because I think I feel kind of hopeful, even though they're still doing everything they can to, you know, throw a monkey wrench in the, the gears of the situation or the system. Uh, but it seems like they, you know, again, I don't want to be overly optimistic because I felt this way before, but it feels almost like we finally have them backed into a corner where they're going to have to answer for what they've done one way or the other. You know, they'll, they'll probably prolong it, try to drag it out for however long they can. But, you know, as bad as it looks, you know, the stuff coming to light, like, uh, they're admitting they either destroyed or lost or, or evidence was disposed of in some way. So it looks, you know, a little negative from that aspect. But at the same time, it's like, well, they're going to have to answer for that then. They're going to have to explain why did you destroy the evidence? So that part of it makes me kind of hopeful. Do you believe that they actually have destroyed the evidence? One thing that I've noticed is the verbiage that they've used anytime they they mention that, where it kind of leaves it a little ambiguous, where it's, you know, well, you know, a lot of times this evidence is lost and yeah. there was a fire, but they haven't specifically said what was destroyed. Do you think that it's actually destroyed or you think this is them just trying to to get you to shut up and go away? You know, I honestly don't know. Uh, I, it would not surprise me either way because the West Memphis Police Department has a long history of destroying evidence. Like when I was on death row, there was another guy on death row uh, from West Memphis. And the reason he got off death row is because they destroyed evidence in his case. So they do have a long history of that. But at the same time, I would not put it past them to really just be lying. Uh, we found out yesterday uh, this is one of those things that hasn't even been brought out or made public or anything yet, but uh, the, the new prosecutor, Crestman, had actually done an interview or had talked to a reporter a few weeks ago, and just a few weeks ago, he had told this reporter that he was going to ask for a court order to have this evidence destroyed. He said that to a reporter just a few weeks ago. So, honestly, it would not surprise me to see it go either way. That that's unbelievable that they're just actively trying to stop. And it, and it cuts to what I just said a, a second ago too. You know that they're saying that oh the evidence is lost and destroyed. In the behind the scenes, they're trying to destroy it. Per, personally, I I have a feeling that the evidence is still there and they're just hiding from it. I would not doubt that at all. So with with all this going on, the fact that there may still be evidence to test. They may be trying to destroy it. Some of it may be gone. You know, my listeners have been have been constantly bombarding me with all this news is that, you know, what do we do? Where do we go f- moving forward from here? And, of course, we just talked to Lori and Lonnie, uh, so we've got some information from them. Uh, but do you have any message to, for, for me to pass on to my listeners to keep them motivated and, 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 and to keep the course? I would just say, you know, this is, this is something that I've said a lot of times to a lot of different people. But I believe with my entire heart and soul that the only reason I am not dead right now is because people out here cared about this case. People out here were watching it, paying attention to it. They felt something about it. They wanted to get involved. They wanted to make sure justice was done for everyone involved in the case. That is the only thing the state of Arkansas cared about. If not for that, they would have murdered me swept this under the rug, and Jason and Jesse would still be sitting in prison for the rest of their lives. It's the fact that people out here cared and were motivated that saved my life. 
you guys, the people who are following this case now, the people who are listening to this this broadcast, you're one of the reasons I'm still alive. You're one of the reasons that it has brought the case to this point. We would not be here right now this close to getting resolution if it were not for the energy, the attention, the time, and everything else that you have poured into this. I would just ask, don't give up this close to the finish line. We still need you. We still need people to stay motivated. We still need people to follow it. You know, the the battle, even though we're close to the finish line, the battle is not over yet. You know, we're still going to have to have testing done if they haven't destroyed the evidence. If they have destroyed it, we're going to have to hire investigators to figure out who destroyed it, when they destroyed it, where it was destroyed, all those sort of things. So there's still things to be done. We still need people to write letters so that they know that they're being watched. We'll still need donations to to get done whatever we're going to need to get done. And we're going to need people to show up. If we have to walk into that courtroom, if we have to enter a legal battle with the state of Arkansas where we have to show up in the courtroom, we're going to need you there in that courtroom with us. You know, it's like when you're playing ball. They say that when you're playing on your home field, it feels like you have an extra person on your team. Well, you guys listen to this, you guys following the case, you are our extra person on the team. So that's all I would ask is that stay with us, stay tuned, write letters, keep writing letters, show up at court if we have to go into court. And other than that, I just want to say thank you to everyone for staying with us all this time. We're closing in on 30 years that this case has dragged on so far. You know, a lot of people following it now weren't even born when it started. So we appreciate how much of your lives you've given to following this, and we just ask you to stay with us and don't give up. We're really close to the end. NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing and sound engineered by Shane Yoder. All music for the show is created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. All of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kay Wood Yomnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, Erica Cantor, and Jen Reese Incandela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes videos of the creation of our Friday follow-up episodes that always include 10 to 30 minutes of pre-show bonus chat. Other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. To become a patron, just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. 
lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. I personally can be found on social media at Bob Ruff Truth, and Mike can be found at Murb Gaming, M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G. Don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Truth and Justice.